break 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 you are now listening to breakthrough news You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we're back with you here on The Punch Out on this Monday, February the 8th, 2021. Very happy to be back with you as we always are here Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on The Punch Out. Many things for you here today, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the complicity of the USDA in making the meatpacking industry a COVID super spreader the whole meatpacking industry is super spreader event, as it were. We're also going to be talking about the Haitian President Jovenel Moyes clinging to power, repressing popular movements there in Haiti, but the movements are rising. And we're also going to be talking first on today's Punch Out. Speaking of rising movements, yesterday's elections in Ecuador, which also saw a very significant result for the quote unquote left wing. <laughs> Well, and those were sounds from Ecuador this weekend, really in the lead up to the election there, the Union of Hope uh, Party there, which Andrea Rose is the candidate of, uh, one of their final rallies the day before the election. But the sounds of the election, which took place on Sunday, it was for the president, yes, also for legislators and also for members of the Andean Parliament. And as predicted, a Rose, who I just mentioned there, candidate of the Union of Hope Party again, was victorious in yesterday's Ecuadorian elections, but he did not breach the threshold for avoiding a runoff, it seems. So it looks like he will face, well, someone in a second round on April 11th. I say someone because it's not entirely clear who came in second here as the votes continue to be counted, but it does appear that Yaku Perez of the indigenous Pachacutic excuse me if I got that wrong, Plurinational Unity Movement Party has taken the second spot. Uh, However, he seems to be in a relatively tight race with the rich banker Guillermo Lasso, who's run for president a few times before, but it does look like Perez is in that second spot, but we shall see. Now, the elections were marked by a massive turnout yesterday, particularly in many working class areas. Uh, Their estimates of many is 12 million people voted, but either way, every picture you saw in many of these working class neighborhoods especially also in uh, other areas where the popular movements are strong, huge, just huge, thousands and thousands of people in some of them I saw yesterday. But there have been a number of questions raised about the vote itself, 
by those who have observed it, also by the Union of Hope Party uh, as well. A few of the, well, they're more or less boiled down to this. One, it seems that many of the long lines may have actually been manufactured in certain places to suppress the vote for a rose. Long lines keeping people away. We certainly know how that is used here in the United States. The second issue as well is that many are criticizing the electoral authorities for releasing information based on an incomplete count before all of the ballots themselves were counted, the so-called quick count. And some observers have suggested that this quick count that was released publicly did not accurately reflect the outcome that arose got more votes, although it doesn't seem that anyone is really saying that arose won enough votes to avoid a second round. So that seems inevitable, but it does seem uh, some of the things we've seen that there could be a relatively significant increase in the number of votes and the percentage of his win. He's about 31% right now. There are uh, estimates that he could have as much as 38%, but we have to see how all that plays out as the votes continue to be uh, counted. And again, there almost certainly will be a second round on April 11th between Arose and Yaku Perez, most likely. Now, Arose's campaign was a remarkable comeback for the citizens movement, which held power in the country from 2007 and 2017, but had uh, lost power with the, under the current President Lenin Moreno, who had once been with the citizens movement, but switched sides. But that movement from 2007 to 2017 saw poverty go down while healthcare and education were expanded and improved. And Arose campaigned on a similar platform, decrying the current state of the country under Lenin Moreno, who led the country into an IMF-supported reality where inequality increased, the economy slid, where the response to COVID-19 was just massively bungled, and where there have been huge popular protests uh, against Moreno, because of this and his, I would say, very significant corruption that has been exposed over the past year or so. Couple years, really. Now, the supposed main opponent was supposed to be this guy, uh, Lasso. He's a rich conservative banker and promised more of the same as what Lino Moreno is doing, if not worse. Perez, though, is a different story. He's a self-described eco-socialist, and he's part of a current in the indigenous community that was fiercely critical of the citizens' movement and government. Now, some of those uh, indigenous parts of the indigenous community that were critical then are actually backing a rose now. So that's important to note. Either way, Perez has the backing of those who retain these critiques, many of whom consider themselves to be left-wing people. And the critiques more or less center around the contradictions of development. Ultimately, it's a lot easier to redistribute the wealth and improve people's lives than to drastically change how that wealth is produced in the broader capitalist world economy. And Perez's current of, of folks critiques the citizens' movement for prioritizing developmental goals, which they certainly were, as I mentioned, education, healthcare, many of these things increasing, poverty de decreasing, because the easiest way to do that, the way only really way it could be done, in the short term at least, was it required continued mineral extraction in the country. So these forces around Perez accuse the citizens' movement forces of not being attentive enough to the issue of indigenous sovereignty that occurs around some of that and being too tied to what they call extractivism. Um, but of course, as I was saying before, those who support the citizens' movement will say this was truly, and I think this is correct, really the only way to change the situation of the vast majority of people living in poverty and a tiny elite ruling the country in the short term, which obviously was just and clearly is powering a rose, getting a very significant number of votes, uh, you know, roughly over 10%, maybe 12% more than Perez or Lasso. So you can see very popular policies, them coming back. But there's really more than we can get into here about all of that, uh, but there are a range of Perez's critique that, quite frankly, makes some of his other critiques of the citizens' movement, well, it makes you lift an eyebrow. I'll just say that much at least. It certainly makes them ring hollow to me, but at least it makes you 
raise an eyebrow. What are some of those things? Well, first and foremost, he supported Lasso in the past, and Lasso says he feels fine supporting him, Perez, that is, in the second round. Further, he has taken the far-right position supporting coups in Bolivia and Brazil, as well as bashing Venezuela on basically the same terms as every right-wing everywhere, every right-winger everywhere in the world, it seems, at this point, um, which is that Venezuela is all bad and it's all Maduro's fault, regardless of how totally untrue that is. Perez also is more than happy to trumpet his ties to the U.S. government, other forces in the United States. So in other words, he presents himself as a leftist critic, but he seems to be very much adapted to the exact type of criticism and posture of the United States, the Organization of American States, the IMF, and the Latin American right. So whether or not he's a U.S. Trojan horse or a CIA plant or whatever some are saying, he clearly is willing to toe the status quo line that has devastated the popular sectors, the working classes, the indigenous people of the Latin American continent for decades. So whether he's a plant, whether he's not a plant, the result seems to be the same in terms of the posture he's taking in terms of how we've seen that play out in Latin America over the years. And a rose is clearly very popular, but it's a little early maybe to make ironclad predictions as to the second round, although it appears likely that he has a very good chance to win then as well. The general drift of things seems to suggest that Ecuadorians are keen to navigate the country away from neoliberalism and arose and the Union of Hope Party seem to be the only possible way that that is going to happen. Thus, they're getting quite a bit of backing. <laughs> Well, those were sounds from protests in Haiti this morning after Haitian President Jovenel Moyes refused to step down yesterday as his presidential tenure came to a close. Instead, he called opposition efforts to force him to adhere to the Constitution a coup, and he arrested a number of the top leaders, including a Supreme Court justice who was set to serve as the interim president. Moyes claims his term does not end until next year and has announced plans to change the Constitution and hold elections in September that are very clearly a stitch-up to keep himself and his political cronies in power over a much longer period. Now, opposition to Moe's has really intensified in the past week. There was a general strike on Monday and Tuesday of last week that brought the country to a complete standstill for several days. There have been mass protests that have been going on since then, and this is part of years of protests that have seriously eroded Moise's ability to rule. They've actually created a power vacuum. He's lost that much legitimacy, but that has also promoted violence and criminal gangs, a rise in kidnappings that are also something that people have been protesting against um, over the past couple weeks. And some of these criminal gangs, it has to be said, appear to be connected to Moyes. And I've seen videos from Haiti of some of them roaming the streets yesterday in armed packs, saw some with people carrying AK-47s, intimidating citizens, promising retribution against anyone opposing the now illegal government. The United States, for its part, came out yesterday openly supporting Moyes' claim to power, which has, quite frankly, generally been their stance as long as he's been under 
fire since about 2018, Moyes has been a close supporter of the hostile U.S. policies against Venezuela in particular, and his brazen stealing of billions of dollars of development aid from Venezuela is actually what caused the mass uprisings against him to begin in 2018. Moyes also represents a section of the elites in Haiti that prefer the neo-colonial economic relationship between the U.S. and Haiti and other Western countries, which they, of course, grow rich off, even though the vast majority of people suffer. So obviously, not a surprise that the U.S. backed him. He's backing their interests and has uh, the whole time he's been there. <clears throat> now, the protests, as I said, have continued from Sunday through today all across the country. Some have been suppressed by police, but it seems that the opposition forces, the masses in general, are pressing ahead here. They are not being cowed. There is an attempt to continue to create what ultimately will be a parallel government. I mean, it would be technically the legal government, but with Moyes set to try to hold on to power by brutal force, it seems only a mass struggle will be able to dislodge him. Well, we've almost certainly all heard by now how meatpacking plants have been major centers of COVID-19 outbreaks all across this country, particularly in the Midwest. New government documents released today by Public Citizen detailed just how callous officials at the USDA were during the pandemic when it came to addressing, or better said, not addressing the issue. Now, the meatpacking companies saw the writing on the wall almost right away. As early as March 16th of 2020, according to these leaked government documents, major meatpacking companies started lobbying the Trump administration to interfere with state and local efforts to regulate their production or to try to make it safer for workers at risk. So they clearly knew that COVID-19 was going to create calls for them to make it safe for their workers, which obviously would mean that they would probably get less production done and thus make less profit. So they lobbied the government, said, hey, do something about this. And guess what? They did do something about it. Political appointees in the USDA almost immediately went to work pushing bogus health and safety rules that were neither healthy nor safe. And Trump would ultimately use the Defense Production Act to just force some meatpacking facilities to stay open despite being massive super spreader sites. As the new documents also reveal, the USDA just seemed to go out of their way to prevent getting any expert testimony. Now, of course, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, is the expert in the government on these matters. The USDA did not reach out to them at all proactively. And OSHA in April just inquired, hey, are you guys going to do anything about this? The actual email, the guy says, are you going to do anything about this? Like that's like an offhanded email. But nevertheless, they were not going to do anything about it. And they told OSHA, we don't actually need your help. So they said the experts on occupational safety and health don't get involved at all in this major workplace safety issue. But it's clear what was going on here because they didn't want anyone with enough knowledge to potentially blow the whistle getting a close look at what they were doing. And, you know, <laughs> probably makes sense given that if they saw this, and given the catastrophe that's happened, that someone may have spoken out. And I say someone because I don't want to castigate the employees of OSHA, many of whom, most of whom, are very hardworking people, deeply under-resourced, uh, deeply strained in many different ways. But that being said, the leadership of OSHA did not cover itself in glory. They certainly did not blow the whistle on this issue. And in fact, the documents reveal that as time went on, OSHA did become more engaged, but ultimately they didn't do that much either as a entity. And as one public citizen representative put it, quote, the focus remained on minimizing disruption to profits, not minimizing harm to human lives. There have been at least 45,000 reported cases 
of COVID-19 tied to meat and poultry processing facilities in the United States, 45,000 tied to meatpacking facilities in the U.S., and 240 reported, it just reported, worker deaths. Now, how many could have been prevented with more proactive action? We can't say for sure, but it is 100% clear that some of them could have been prevented. And it is 100% clear that government agencies that are supposed to be concerned about workplace safety seem to be more concerned with the profits of meatpacking companies that were relayed to them, these concerns about their profits via lobbyists. I mean, it's a perfect example of corporate capture of our government institutions and how it is working in a way that has been extremely extremely detrimental to working class, oppressed, and exploited people during this pandemic. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. <laughs>